What be is what be up got podcast in the cut. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a day late, uh, but I do think that this is still warranted because I haven't covered, I think, I don't think I've covered Auburn basketball yet on the podcast. Um, that, I don't know if I did an exhibition episode, but I know I didn't do a game one episode, so we're gonna get that knocked out right now. Uh, I, I actually did a tweet. And you wanted to use that as my script. And I wrote the tweet out. The tweet basically was uh, four takeaways. And three of the takeaways was Jabari Smith Jr. And that's really the best way to describe what happened. Uh, I try to do, I guess, just three quick takeaways. I mean, there's really not much to say. Like this, I thought the second half was more just about talent and size versus X's and O's. Uh, I will say for my first takeaway... Bruce did do a good job of doing a counterpunch, um, which I think, I mean, like, I don't think Bruce is a X-Nose coach. Like, I, I mean, his main, I know that his scheme was different at previous stops than it is here, but here it's been essentially freelance um, and by necessity because a big part of what happened before the past three or four years that they were being uh, vividly out-talented and kind of freelance, uh, you know, everybody cook within reason, but, you know, don't just make, like, completely stupid plays uh, too often. You know, that was kind of what had to happen. I mean, you you kind of have two ways, I think, with working with under-talented um, squads. And then you can out-scheme the shit out of your opponent, which a lot of, uh, you know, D2 and, and – and, uh, Lower D1 squads end up, you know, upsetting some really good team and up doing, you know, Syracuse does that often against their more talented ACC foes. You know, they just out scheme the fuck out of them. Um, and then you have just play at a um, a mousy type of form. Like they're always, they've always been outsized up until like the past two or three years, right? Um, you have your Simeon Bowers, your Jared Harpers, your Horace Spencers. Uh, your TJ Donnans. I mean, you asked me to talk about guys play 2017. It gets a little bit murky, but I've seen a few games from before then. It's just very murky. But uh, there's one dude I really want to think about. I can't remember his name. He was on the uh, his last appearance was on the 2017 team. Uh, Deshaun Murray. Deshaun Murray. Uh, just very under undersized guys, positionally speaking, or just physically very you know murky. Uh, out tweeners, I should say, um, that play with a lot of heart, that play with a lot of speed, that pretty much they beat you by outstanding you, and that was what worked the 2016 season. Uh, well, I, I say work. Uh, that's what happened in 2016 season. That uh, that run in the uh, NCAA tournament when they lost to Kentucky, that shit came out of my Kentucky. Uh, they were just out harding dudes. Uh, obviously, you've seen the, it's just a, the um, Harper Bryce Brown core came together. Uh, I actually in 2016 that was just that was a mistake because they didn't have an identity. So I asked out 2016 that was like them just having talented dudes that just thought they were better than like, non-talented guys. And then once they realized the talented the non-talented dudes played a lot more team uh, and were a little bit more defined in their roles, then it kind of worked a little bit more. Really, that's the biggest thing. Defining roles. Defining roles and playing with heart. That's the Bruce Pearl system more than X and O's. And you saw that today. 
or, or yesterday. It was this game yesterday now. But um, I think ULM outharded Auburn quite a bit in the first half. I think they outschemed them as well. Uh, I think they Auburn would do the the uh, the you know full court presses. They would do the uh, reaching for steals act they did in the first game and a little bit of exhibition, but a lot in the first game. And my takeaway, one of my main ones from the first game was that this continuous you know trying to rip for the ball even when it's like you're playing good defense. A lot of teams are going to just have guys that have ball handlers that can just pretty much get past them. That we, we're playing pretty sloppy ball handlers, so to speak, uh, to this point. Guys that, with any kind of pressure, have been losing the ball, just dribbling. And not to you know demean college players, no matter what level they're on, but clearly the SEC has the point guards that are a lot better at handling ball pressure than the guys we've had uh, opposing us in the past two games. So we got away with it. But ULM did a way better job than the previous team on kicking the ball out fast when that happens. Uh, making the next pass, finding the open guy, because a lot of times what we do is that we almost in like a, a zone sense, we'll have a guy, you know, play off a little bit, then go for that steal and then have the next guy over already ready to come um to come either, you know, like get the ball if it's going to be like an errant pass or help trap, right? But more than anything, they switch quickly. So if a guy goes for a steal, gets beat, they switch. And that was happening a lot in the first half and happened on the first game, uh, especially Wendell Green. Like, just watch Wendell Green play defense. I'm assuming they, they run the same defense as they ran the past two games. Watch him play defense. Watch him if he's pressing up on a guy, see if he goes for a steal, and then just watch him as he locates another guy um, when another Auburn defender comes and switches on to the ball handle that beats him, if he gets beaten. Watch the switch. It's going to happen. And then watch who he goes to find. A big part of this defense, I mean, I, I can't tell that that's scheme in a sense, to find a guy that positionally isn't too big a disadvantage. Because as you can tell, a lot of times Auburn has not got caught with their hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, with Wendell Green being switching like a center, or Katie Johnson, well, not Katie Johnson, but like Zip Japs are being switching like a center. Um, a couple times Katie Johnson has been switching like a three or a four, but height-wise, he can work, which is why he usually is also on the wing, being usually a guy that switches over. Usually it's Zip or him who switches over until the guy. Sometimes it's been Chris Moore, but it's always a wing that usually switches when the point guard gets beat. So that way you don't have like a massive giant being the guy that Wendell Green whoever the point is has to switch on to. Um, so, I mean, that that is something that speaking it out loud right now, I realize is a kind of intricacy of this defensive style that Bruce has clearly, you know, had as a fail safe. We don't get to steal. We have a plan still to play defense. Uh, but what happened was here in the first half was that they were doing it and kind of like in parts in the um, the first game, I forgot who we played, but in the first game where it was very rare, but when it would happen, we'd have a lazy rotation switching back over, um, and a guy would just get an open three. And I, I'm, I'm honestly already forgetting some of the the uh, finer points of, of ULM's offense, but I know they did a really good job of being out there in transition, so when it happens, there's a guy that's already there 
on the right side, uh, the right side being on the side of the point guard as he's getting, you know, haggled as then the help comes over. They have guys open. They just did a good job of being open, I suppose, coming to the ball handler. Um, now, so that's all first half. You know, they, they did their thing. We kind of, our counterpunch to that in the second half, just to get to my point, was we came with defined doubles. We would basically, instead of reaching for the ball, we'd have the guy who's pressing herd the ball handler to one side or the other and pretty much corners. Um, the left corner and the right corner of the, the uh, court. And we'd have one of the taller guys, a wing, come and trap. So there was a lot more traps. Uh, there's still a good bit of press, but a lot more traps and then a lot less reaching for the ball. Uh, we still generate a ton of steals and loose balls, but we just did it in a more efficient way. And it also uh, curtailed that advantage of um, them having a guy on the, the same side that is usually open. And there's still probably some dudes open, but it's like if you can't see him over, you know, 6'10", Jabari Smith, or 6'8", Jalen Williams, um, while, you know, Wendell Green or Zeb Jackson or Katie Johnson's like digging in your, you know, your mittens for that, uh, for that ball. I mean, you know, what can you do? Um, so that was a good event or a good matchup, good, good matchup, um, good adjustment by Bruce Pearl. And I think that Bruce Pearl has some very, uh, interesting defensive, uh, philosophies. I mean, he can adjust, a lot of times he doesn't adjust, but. He can adjust, and uh, he's done a better job, I think, of adjusting over the past couple of seasons to stigma than I think he did at times uh, 2017, 2018. And I think another, another sign of that is him playing Leor Berman, who was horrendous defensively. Uh, I mean, they were, they were running the same press as they do with the other three guards with him, but he literally just got turned around with any kind of, like, slight hesitation or anything like that. Um the adjustment isn't having him run that scheme because that was bad. That's a bad decision. But having him out there to spell the guards who play a pretty hefty amount of minutes, if I understand. Um, actually, not, not that bad a comparison. 22, 27, 22, or 27, 27, 22, 22, which is certainly a uh, lot less than guys like Cooper or Harper or Bryce would play in years past. But those guys also didn't run the press. So it's like, it's less minutes, uh, but it's more mileage, so to speak. I think Bryce would sometimes run half-court press, and I think it's just out of necessity because there was a lot more ass of those two dudes um, as offensive creators. So you kind of had to have them not run so much on defense. Um, now I think you have a little bit more opportunity, again, Justin by Bryce, or uh, Bruce, and you can have those guys run this person. You have interchangeable facilitators, creators, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like Jabari Smith literally can dribble up and down the court and get the guys into sets. Kessler can initiate offense in the perimeter. Um, Chris Moore can take off the dribble a little bit now. Jay Williams, he can get his own in both transition in the half court. I mean, you just have multiple guys that can initiate. So that kind of... Um, a phrase I want to use, but uh, duty, uh, I, I don't know. That's a phrase I want to use, but spreading out the duties, basically, spreading out the workload, that has allowed him to get a little bit more feisty with his uh, defensive guards. And that was not a takeaway. That was just part of the first takeaway, but I feel like it was. 
So we're going to take a break and uh, get to the second takeaway real quick. Second takeaway, uh, I think the one everybody would like to hear, obviously, Jabari Smith. I mean, this guy is incredible. Like, I, I, I would say, you know, Wendell Green had a bad shooting day, but had another good day going to the cup. Uh, did not take too many bad threes um, after, you know, you could just tell the shot wasn't on. Jeff had, I think, one open one, but, you know, one to three from three. Uh, Katie Johnson had a magical day shooting from outside and went inside a couple of times as well, of course, you know, knowing Katie Johnson. Uh, Chris Morris just killing them, you know, putting the ball on the floor, going to the rim, didn't lay up, you know, blah, 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 creating his own shot, then moving off the ball too, was shot to him. Uh, maybe I'll talk about the auxiliary pieces when I take my third takeaway. But <laughs> listen, man. Listen to me. Listen. You're not listening enough if you're not hearing my soul when I say this. Jabari Smith is the most talented guy that's ever come to Auburn. Period. Uh, I mean, he... This dude is legitimately a... You know, I mean, that's a lot of massive wings that are very skinny that are coming out now. Um, you know, the Imani Bates of the world. Um, Michael John... Not Michael. Michael... Is his name Michael Porter Jr.? It says Michael, isn't it? MPJ. MPJ. Um, I don't think I've ever said his full name. I just always say MPJ. MPJ, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Just guys that basically are guards and this, you know, wing type of body. This guy has legitimate four skills, can go back to the basket, has shot the fadeaway often since the exhibition game, just hasn't always fell in. Loves the fadeaway, loves the face-up game. Um, you know, kind of like a la Evan Mobley. Uh, and then has that same level, in my opinion, same, eh, Evan Mobley's generation, like, defensive type of guy. But he has the same, you can plug him in certain spots, and his physique is going to eliminate a lot of looks that the defense wants to run. They put him at the top of the one three one zone, um, and they couldn't get in the key whatsoever. Uh, and they couldn't, whenever they just, you know, match up to where the side of the ball was at, a lot of times Jabari would either, you know, almost hit the ball or tip the ball. And you know, they, throw, throw, they throw a bad pass trying to get around him. And then some other guy would get the credit for the steal. Uh, he's, he's just, his wingspan is insane. Physically is insane. He can run. He can like legitimately run. He was, a lot of times when I see a big a court cross, uh, what is it? Court to court? No, it's not. It's not critical. My brain is just mumble right now, dude. I think I took like two nights a day already. Um, from coast to coast, from coast to coast, a lot of the time, dude, it's like, you know, very. <sighs> I, like, like, like you have like a, a dumb kid overachieve, basically, like you know, very methodical, like thinking about type of dribbles. If you do get it behind the back, like Jabari did. It's very funny and, like, comical. But that was all smooth, dude. I mean, he took that uh, block from, uh, from Kessler and just went. Didn't slow down. Got contested and finished. Didn't have to dunk. Got a, a soft lay. But dude was a problem, dude. <laughs> I mean, he was able to get them in their sets, too. You know, plays a little bit of point. 
uh, four steals. I mean, two blocks. You know, four turnovers isn't great, but I mean, I don't think I don't think he always gets an optimal like appearances. Uh, you know, with the way we run him, and I mean, he's just one of those guys that that is going to get massively better with NBA spacing. Like he's playing a team that you know can you know we'll shoot like uh you know eighty percent and a half and shoot like. 10% and a half from three. Like, there's a lot of times where he won't even get, like, his looks. Like, he'll, like, you know, float. And he does a good job running transition, don't get me wrong. He'll, like, run to the cup, have, like, a, you know, like, 6-3 guy on him, and just, like, won't get looked at. Or if he get looked at, he'll just look back off of him because, you know, I, I think that they don't want to risk a lot of under-the-rim transition, um, Matter of fact, I'll leave the transition stuff for the third takeaway. But I think Jabari does a really good job of doing things that don't even get looked at, basically. Like, as good as a 22 and 10 game is, I think he finished with 10, 10 game is, uh, with four steals and all that, I still think he's he performed even better than that. But his shot, dude, his shot is pure. I mean, it looks pure in the previous proceedings. But when it goes in, obviously, you give it a little bit more gas. His shot is pure. Uh, when they're talking about him being the best three-point shooter, I think Zeb Jas- Jasper has a way better form than I thought he would. He probably, to me, out of the guys who really put up shots, probably has the best form out of anybody except Jabari. And maybe I think he has a better form than Jabari. But past him, I mean... Jabari has Jabari has a very very functional shot for a big, and he looks very comfortable doing off the dribble, which is for a big in college. Like I'm not talking NBA, like you know maybe AD got some off the dribble game in in, um, in the NBA, you know evolved some of that. Uh, you know maybe a MPJ, you know became a, a better shooter. He was a great shooter in college, but became a better shooter, knockdown Clay Thompson type shooter. Uh, but, dude, to have a 6'10 guy doing some of the stuff that he was doing in that game, like, this guy was advanced for his time skill-wise from the jump. Not even just height-wise or whatever, but skill-wise, he's always been ahead of the curve. And that game right there, dude, he, he's, he's, I mean, you know, Duran's great, Broncaro's great, you know, great guys. I'm sure they're fantastic prospects. But you won't miss if you get Jabari Smith in that top 10 pick range. Like, if you get him at, like, 10, you got basically the same level still that Denver got at MPJ, I think, like, what, 12 or 11? To me, it's about the same level, in my opinion. That's how good this guy is. He is getting even better defensively. I mean, like I said, the wings here, or not the wings, but the forwards and bigs here have to, like, handle a lot with how much we press up. Our entire scheme is only possible because how good... Uh, Kessler and Jabari can rotate over and Jalen Williams but if they couldn't rotate over they couldn't be as long as they are and imposing as they are around the rim this scheme would not work they would you guys would get blown by and that would be GG's if you had I think Austin Wilder moved really well for his frame but if you had him instead you'd have some problems I'll use him because people can obviously identify that name pretty quickly um that that dude is Dude, Kessler, dude. He, I mean, I'm not giving his own takeaway, but Kessler, he did get beat a couple times more in this game than he did uh, in the last one. He also 
kind of used a lot more body, did a little bit more fouling than he did in the previous games. Uh, he's tested a lot more defense today or yesterday, but that dude was a problem, dude. He straight up bigs, he's gonna kill us. Like a lot of like traditional fives, that's Kessler's gonna kill those guys. Um, he's gonna reach down too much. He's gonna like murder those dudes. Um. And he still, like you see, he survived against smaller guys too at the, the big position. But he did good enough on switch and uh, switching and pick and roll defense, and that's what he really just needs to be. Like he may not be a guy that gets a lot of good counting stats this season. That's gonna be a two-year player, in my opinion, because I just don't think that. Hey, I just think he's so low in totem pole as far as the offense goes, and then B, if it gets better, it's like I don't think that he'll be the. People say Embiid, like, God, it can operate from the perimeter and, you know, be like a kind of a maestro for the offense. I don't think able to show that when Jabari Smith and, you know, the way that uh, Wendell Green looks like currently and eventually Allen Flanagan. Like, it's, he's going to be too on the pole to really make that much of an impact. But he could be his own guy in a, in a little bit. Uh, you know, Allen's gone. Jabari's going to be gone. I mean, you get... um. You know, uh, Chance Westry, who's crazy, but you know, not not exactly. He sh- I knew freshman shouldn't be a third year player in terms of touches. I would think. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But I don't want to look too far because right now we're enjoying this. I don't need to look too far. We're enjoying this. This is football. This is an Auburn football, which had the most embarrassing game that I've seen in quite a while today. Uh, this is basketball, and we're gonna look towards it now. And by the now, I mean, it's their takeaway that I'm going to have after the break. All right, let's get this shit. Uh, I don't have the third takeaway in my brain right now. I'm just going to make it up. And by make it up, I mean, I'm going to talk about some things I don't like. I still don't like the, uh, the, the, the transition, the vision here. The vision on this team... Uh, from the guards, I am not the biggest fan of. Um, but we're getting, but we got better. I think we got better from game one to game two in seeing what's on the um, what's on the court and helping other guys out. Uh, Zep had some really good passes, going to the cup, doing a drive and kick variety and such. I thought he played decent as the primary facilitator, and the primary facilitator is not going to be an explicit role. I think from game to game. People are going to think it's Wendell Green because he's running the point. But Wendell Green is not a, a great facilitator, so to speak. He's good. He's all right. Yeah, he's all right. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm a big NBA guy, so my thought process is NBA bred. But I have seen a lot of Auburn Bowl and it's a lot of, you know, vision-related issues with a lot of Auburn point guards that just seem to kind of, you know, be chalked down as these guys kind of having you know limited limited facilitating abilities. Um, a lot of times we miss guys under rim that have post position. Uh, you know, we move side to side and still miss those guys for post position. We seem to be scared if there's like a, any kind of semblance of a guy that could kind of help over. Maybe you know potentially we don't take that risk. That happens a lot, which upsets me because I think this team would be at its best in an inside out facility. Um, Inside out format, have Kessler posted up. He has good vision. Taylor Williams has great vision. Jabari Smith has great vision. They all have good vision at the post and uh, the face up game. 
And that's a look that you might reserve for later on when guys feel more comfortable with each other. But I will like that. Um, transition pass, like I said, transition pass is bad. Like, I just think it's like we just do not hit a ton of guys to transition. Guys leak out for the three point line, which is a big part of the uh, 20, the fall, the fall final four run. And guys that leaking out for threes, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, which again, you know, maybe guys don't still don't feel comfortable yet making those passes and trying to play safe. I don't know, but the opportunities have been there, certainly in my opinion. Uh, and then you know, like those outlet passes, you know, like you're on one side of the court, you're throwing out there past half court. Those are happening a lot either. Which we have so much athleticism, so many guys like a ball handle, Jalen, kind of Cambridge, kind of Chris Moore, Kessler. You know, on and on and so forth. I feel like outlet passes would be nice, but, you know, it is what it is, I suppose, that, that effect. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, let me just look back at these stats real quick. Um, so, oh, what would I be doing if I didn't mention free throw shooting? Uh, probably the best free throw shooting I've seen in this program have. And I don't know how long to. I mean, this is not a good free throw shooting program year in and year out. Like one of the worst ones usually. And they weren't great in the exhibition game. And I don't think they were particularly good last uh, game either. But 25 of 32. And I mean, even the guys that were missing, like Katie Johnson looked pretty iffy on the first game. He was stroking it. Uh, I think Zep, he split one. Jabari is very fluid. I mean, even until he missed, very fluid still. I mean, you <laughs> got to be one of the two or three best free throw shooting performances we've had since the, you know, pretty much Arvin's came once in the week program. I, I can't remember any game being this good free throw shooting wise. I mean, they just stroked it. And they did things with a pretty good three point percentage. I mean, a lot of that was aided by Katie Johnson and Jabari just stroking it, but. You know, you got I think you got to get more of a. Uh, let, me, let me actually look at the uh, the other game. I think you have to get more distribution out of three point shooting. I think that presents more of a threat than how it is currently. Like, you're not gonna just like let Arvin shoot. Don't get me wrong, but like, I feel like the distribution isn't the greatest. If that makes sense. So we're gonna go over to the other game real quick. And um, yeah, we shot the shot like hell. Uh, twenty nine percent from three and. It would have been a lot worse if Jabari hit two out of three. God, Jabari. Jesus, Jabari. Wendell Green went three of eight. It was just... I mean, I know fatigue was a big... Like, the thing with fatigue is that you don't see it in legs, but a lot of shots come up short because of fatigue. And Wendell, he was taking some bad shots. I think I should be more to blame than anything in that second half of the uh, Moorhead State game. Like, out of, out of rhythm, bad shots. He was tired as hell. So... I won't not act like that that uh that matters because it does. And I mean you go on Katie Johnson was like pretty much the third best shooter that night. He was two of seven. Not much to be said anywhere else. Uh Kessler went 0 of four. Kessler didn't shoot too many threes today, which probably for the best, because I don't think Kessler is I think Kessler's form is like not very fluid. And you kind of see him shooting even in practice. Like he's not a he's not a, he's not a great shooter. Like, he might end up being a great positional shooter, which is like, 
someone like AD is like maybe a, a, a solid positional shooter for like a, a four, a center really more than four, a center decent you know shooter. Uh, he's, he's not a he's not a good shooter. I think he's like a 27, 26% shooter, something like that as a, as a career wise goes from outside. Kester could probably be about 25% shooter, like pre the past two seasons. Joel and B basically. Joel B was not a good career shooter, but he was enough to make you play up on him from the outside. And that's, I think, the best case scenario for Kessler is he becomes a 28% guy that hits enough when he's in rhythm to be like, okay, now I got to actually defend him and it opens up things for everybody else. That's the best version of Kessler for me when it comes to perimeter play. And going from there, uh, it's a point I took my tongue. I hope I can still remember while rambling about it and trying to remember. Oh, yeah, um... Shots and rhythm. So I think I, I think they did a good job in the first half of the Morehead State game with taking shots that were of multiple passes with guys that were set and that weren't just waiting in the corner for you know 20 seconds and just getting a fastball, throw some BS before the shot clock expires. I think they usually have one or two passes before a pass or before a shot. And then if there was a pull up a shot, it felt more in rhythm. Uh, and the second half, they took some of those similar shots. Like they did take some more pull-up shots that were similar, but they were, you know, of the hurried and clearly like I need to get some some momentum going type of variety. Or oh, I'm missing shots. I need to make some. So really, just try to do what I feel like works instead of like doing what actually works. And they did that, and that didn't look too good either. Uh, but it took a lot of shots that had no passes. It took a lot of threes that had no passes, and a lot of threes that were basically. I remember one, I think it was Zeb Jasper drove for probably about, I want to say 13, 14 seconds and then just threw it to a guy and the guy just throw it up and it was it was a bad shot. Or they th- dribble the hell of the ball and then just pull up after they find nothing available. It's like, that's bad basketball. Like, you got to take shots that have some semblance of even being a set shot or one where you are using your kinetic energy and, you know, are in rhythm. And I think it did a better job of taking shots that at least felt in rhythm, um, even though the percentage definitely skewed by a couple guys shooting the fucking less of the ball. But yeah, um, that's about it. I wasn't having going for about 30 minutes or so. I had a lot of fun watching this game. Probably some intricacies that I could talk about that I didn't mention. Uh, I have the AirPods. I use the AirPod mic. I don't have the Yeti plugs. I'm supposed to be doing homework right now. So the quality may be better than that time, but this is a good game, uh, especially because of the simple fact that adjustments were made. Anytime you can make adjustments against a team that is doing well, even led, I think, going into halftime by one, you know, that's a test. And you love a test. I mean, tests are good. Like, if you go in here and you just beat the dog shit out of like, your, um, your non-conference, play a bunch of patty, patty cakes, there's no value in that. Like, young guys being exposed to a bunch of scrubs that are probably more talented than in high school than, uh, you know, with college development. Like, they hit the SEC grind and they end up getting their ass kicked. Like, this is going to prepare these guys for contentious games against really good teams. And I would contend that there's a lot of really good teams in uh, the SEC. Kentucky looks a lot better. Uh, Tennessee, I saw they had some pretty good shooting performances in their first game. Um... I would expect it to be more of a uh, decentralized 
uh, year in terms of like wins and such, the seeding and all that goes. Because I think that last year it was Alabama. Arkansas kind of came on late, but in terms of Alabama and not really any other elite teams of no other than Arkansas, and they kind of had to come on, like I said, late, kind of figure some things out. This season, I can see there being like maybe Kentucky figures things out with their talent, maybe, but like probably no team that's like a top one or two seed from the jump. It's just it's clearly like having a remarkably out of body season. I wouldn't see that happening, but I can see a bunch of like maybe low one seed contenders, two seed contenders, high three seed contenders. You know, Tennessee could be great. Tennessee probably should be really good, actually, looking at their roster. Uh, Arkansas, they return a lot. And I mean, I think you could, I mean, people might be mad, but I think Musselman might be, like, the best coach in terms of guard play, maybe, in this conference. I mean, you could, it's tough because I think that, I think he schematically might be the best. And then I think that developmentally, Developmentally, Bruce Pro is probably the best. And in terms of recruiting, Oates is probably the best. So you have like three different kind of paths you can go with. But I would say between Oates, Musselman, and uh, our boy, Bruce Pearl, that's probably the three best coaches in terms of guard play in this league. And college is a guards play league. Like it's, that wasn't, that wasn't a slip of the tongue. That wasn't me messing up. That was a little bit of word play there. I hope you appreciate it. But uh, but those three are, are easily the best, I think, in, in terms of, of guards playing this league. I think LSU is probably that Will Wade, probably that, you know, leading that tier too. But those three get the most of the guards. And I don't understand why I even said that. I don't, I don't know what that correlated to, but that was just a point I made. I'm gone. I need to get the hell out of here. Peace.